Welcome to the show. Calico Cooper is my guest today. She is a remarkable woman who's done some really cool stuff in her life, including uh, singing for Bisto Blanco, her band. Uh, but she's also directed the music videos, and she's an actress with 27 film and TV credits. She's done these big TV shows like Hawaii Five-0 and The Mindy Project, as well as some really cool independent movies like uh, Welcome to Hell and Suck as a Vampire Movie. Um, and what I really liked about this interview is just how open Calico is with not only the highlights of her career, but also things that she's done um, that are not so glamorous and some of the struggles she had along the way. And so I really liked hearing her explain that kind of stuff and the creative processes that she goes through, like how she approaches these acting roles and her role in uh, Bisto Blanco, which she's a singer, but it's really this character that she's created. Uh, just a lot of fun talking with her. And I think you guys will enjoy it too. Welcome to my show, Calico Cooper. It's exciting. Thank you so much. Live from my closet. Yeah, you're literally in the closet, huh? I know. I know. I'm I'm going backwards in momentum, you know, <laughs> taking the people back. But uh, yeah, this is uh probably the most chaos controlled room in the house. And okay. So I uh, yeah, this is where I'm bunkered down. That's pretty crazy. Well, I hope things get better with the fires and such over there. So. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm a I'm a little dorky kid in the bubble. Like I have, you know, the asthma inhaler and the Benadryl because I was like a little allergy kid. Oh, were you? My family lives in Phoenix, which is like so good for that for yeah. asthma and everything. So out here, I go. Oh, what's the worst? Earthquakes? Like at least those doesn't cause allergies. And yeah, then everything here caught on fire, and you're like, okay, do I want to go down to the beach? No, that's on fire. Do I want to go up? <laughs> north no that's on fire so you're just like how are you supposed to shelter in place when your place is on fire <laughs> yeah do you get like a, a filter an air filter something that can help like a hepa filter one of those fans or something or yeah you can do i actually looked it up um you know <laughs> the internet is the great uh equalizer when it comes to who's a doctor and who is it so um, you know, <laughs> you've done it where you like sign on, you're like, Oh, my head kind of hurts. And I have a brain tumor. Like, <laughs> right. And I, I'm just, I, I'm not a hypochondriac. And so I'm, I, it's wasted on me. So I look up like, Hey, is it better to sleep? Uh, if there's fires all around you, is it better to sleep with a fan on or not? And most of the responses is why are you sleeping where there's fires? <laughs> like, I, because I can't help it. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's just got to tolerate it. Well, a hang in there. Um, so yeah, let's. Talk. So you said you're uh, you had allergies as a as a kid. Um, let's talk about your your childhood and growing up. Um, it must have been interesting in the entertainment business. Um, but your mom was really uh, she was into uh, classical music. You were exposed to a lot of different varieties, like Burt Bacharach, Elvis, Beatles, Guns N' Roses. But your mom was into classical music. And um, so, did you play music at a young age, or was that? I know you started singing later, but did you ever take any piano lessons or anything like that as a kid? I did. You know, what's funny is I had little to no interest in, I, I truly enjoyed watching, you know, my dad perform and, and my mom, uh, you know, sing in the, in the choir and everything like that. And everybody in the family has a great voice. Um, but for me, I was just always a little bit of, I was the actor. Mm. Right. And I think in a family where everybody is, um, artistically gifted, I think that the issue is, is you, find a place you find an identity and it's tricky it's easy in a family where everyone's kind of like you know nine to five this and that like you're going to be the good son or you're going to be the crazy kid or you're going to you find like your niche right and it was weird in my family because everybody 
was was across the board gifted. So it was like in that way, like none of us can do math to save our lives. So don't go get that. But like, like, you know, as far as like, here's a piano and we can play it. Yeah. Right? And it's like, here's a idea for a stage show and I can make it happen. So it's, it's, um, I went through the motions of trying to be interested in, in music. Mm-hmm. I was like, I love it. I love listening to it, but I loved dancing to it more. I loved, mm. I loved acting to it more. Right. You know, obsessed with musicals when I was a kid because of the marriage of all the, the moving parts. So, um, you know, it was interesting when the band came along, I was like, Oh, I'm not a, a singer. I don't think. Right. And it, and it's sort of Chuck, the guy that was in Bisto Blanco with me just said, look, you're a really good actor. And he goes, I have a feeling that you can act your way into this. And he goes, and before you know it, you're actually going to be good at it. And I was like, Oh, I don't know, maybe, but yeah, just growing up, it was like, there were so many influences that I feel really cool that you can use all together now. So it's like, my mom is a Trina ballerina and listens to classical music and it, it moves her so much. So I got that right. Mm-hmm. I mean, 40 hours a week at a ballet bar and then, you know, seeing my dad do his thing up on stage. And then I took the route of like comedian and acting and all that stuff. So after like 20 years of like hard training and all those things, I finally kind of mashed it together and made this character for Bisto. And I go, yeah, who's to say that I can't be a hard rock singer that's really good, that can also kick their leg up over their head, that can also do a soliloquy, right. that can also, like, why not? Yeah, it's like Chuck told you, he's like, okay, you're not a singer, but you're an actress, so pretend you're, you're acting the part of a singer, right? Right, and now the biggest compliments I get, you know, I, it turns out I could sing. And I think I, it's kind of been a weird, like, it's been a weird... um thing to say out loud because nobody wants to go um by the way i'm like a really good actor you know what i mean it's just <laughs> yeah. so stupid and ridiculous and pompous but i think i'm finally believing that i can sing it, it because of impact the uh, uh, reactions from like peers so yeah. to have other singers go man you like killed that or this and that ki- people I listened to when I was a kid or people that are like my age that are doing it now going, Oh my God, I, I wish I could do that with my voice. I'm going, yeah. What? Wow. Okay. So that I take, I take compliments like that to heart. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's really cool. So growing up, like you, this is interesting. I, I, I heard that you, um, for your Christmas, like uh, get togethers, you guys all have to do some kind of, everyone in the family, like extended family, uh, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, wives, everybody yeah. has to do some sort of performance, either singing a poem, a dance, something, whether they like it or not. And you said the best ones are usually the people that don't want to perform, right? That's, that's, yeah. It's, it's, uh, be careful who you invite over to the house <laughs> because on Christmas Eve, it really is kind of like, it's just something that we do. And it's, it's way better if you don't plan it. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and we've had to Im- implement rules where it's like, okay, so last year you did a song. You can't do a song this year. You have oh. to do something. So it's better when people don't know it's coming because this, you get to see a little glimpse of their like behind the scenes, like, okay, so, uh, you know, Dash has got a new girlfriend and, uh, she seems pretty cool, but let's see what happens when this happens. So, um, yeah, we've gotten everything from, oh my gosh one of my best friends who had never been over came over and and we go do something. She gets up and she panics. And so she just starts singing this song, which I can only assume is like 
a heavy X-rated like wrap, right? Oh. She panicked, and my oh, grandma's God. there, a bunch of different people. Oh. And she's like, and I'm go, and it's hard to make me blush. And she just panicked and started wrapping this hardcore verse, and I was like, <laughs> like the Christmas lights oh, are in the back. That's she hilarious. Bombs. I'm like, oh my god. But my family laughed about. They're like, all right. Way to go. Way to get up there and commit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that's cr- so there's a there's got to be a lot of crazy stuff happening. There's another story I heard you tell that um where you were on the set of one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and Robert England in full Freddy makeup like came up to you and I mean that must have been kind of surreal to hear and he's like said something like does any do any kids at school bully you? Yeah, and I said no. What if you had said <laughs> yes though? What what would he have done? Would he have scared them or <laughs> I think he like, he's such a sweet guy as like a human. And I think like a lot like, you know, my dad and, and anybody that sort of has a, that character is it's like, yeah, you're scary, but kids kind of like, you know, look up to you. And so it, I think you can't buy your own hype in that way. Uh, like, you know, if a little kid hands you something and says, oh, you're my favorite monster, you can't, you know, you can't be like, get away from me, you little scab, you, have to, <laughs> you know, engage. And uh, I just kind of, uh, I remember being there on set and having him say, uh, I just remember him coming up to me and I, I'd seen so much at that age. And so I didn't equate what I was looking at with anything scary. It's a guy in makeup, just like my dad's a guy in makeup, uh, just like, you know, I've just been around theatrics sure. and, you know, all the severed heads and stuff for so long that I just was so enamored with him. I was like, because he's an actor and I wanted to be an actor. I knew oh, it. Oh, like right. Six yeah. Old, I'm going, and I got to watch everything he was doing during the takes. And I was so excited making little notes in my tiny baby actor brain. But uh, yeah, just having him be in character and come up. And I wanted to be as, as like scary. And I think I never dropped that because he goes, you know, any kids ever bully you? And I go, no. Wow. How old were <laughs> yeah. you when that happened? I think I was like, I was still in the single digits, I think. Okay. Well, this was, and then this was interesting. I heard that you talking about this today. Um, you ended up going to like a private Christian school when you were like 16 and, um, and you actually were bullied and that was like really, uh, eye opening to me. I was like, Oh, that's, I would not have think that you, like, you seem like you're so cool and you're in this band and you're, you know, on these TV shows and doing all this cool stuff. And you were like bullied. You had to eat lunch in the bathroom by yourself. That yeah, was crazy. And, and that's when I learned that bullying bullying doesn't look like it looks on TV. Like it doesn't, maybe it does, but that wasn't my experience of yeah. it. Um, I like am currently am like a practicing Christian. And I love it how that sort of like goes like, oh, well, you don't act like one. You don't look like one. It's like, well, come on, dude, what does that look like? What is mm-hmm. that like? You know? And so I remember going to the school. It was so that I could get a better scholarship for college because I went to public school my whole life and never had a problem. Like I wasn't like the coolest guy, but I certainly was like, like, it's like my dad talks about sometimes he goes, sorry, my nose is running because of the fire. Um, He's like, um, you know, I wasn't the most popular kid, but I was a funny kid in school. Like I was like the one that everybody kind of like could jam with. And that yeah. was kind of how I fell in. But then I went to this school and the bullying wasn't like lunch trays in the face and like, you know, getting punched or like getting mocked or anything. It was getting completely ignored. Like I wasn't alive. And to a point where like, it was, they don't tell you about that. They don't prepare. Like I'm ready for like, you know, 
hey, rock stars kid that thinks you're such a big deal, blah, blah, blah. Like I was like ready mm-hmm. for that. And I would have killed for that. I walked in and all these kids have gone to school together their whole lives, you know, and kind of looking around like, okay, like this is for the greater good. Like I'm going to go to a better school because I get these credentials. And it was sort of like, and they went right back to what they're doing. No yelling, no whatever, just complete exclusion. And I, my ego couldn't take it where I was like, wait a minute. Like, I don't want, I'm not expecting to like, get my face thrown in a plate of spaghetti, but I also would like somebody to engage me at all. And so rather than my pride, rather than sitting by myself at lunch after about two weeks at the school, like nobody would talk to me. And I, I just went, okay, that's fine. And I would go and I would eat in the bathroom. And then like, I remember kids would talk and they're like, where do you go at lunch? And blah, blah, blah. Not asking me to hang or sit with them. They just want to know where I went. They're like, where do you always go at lunch? And I'm like, oh yeah, um, I've got this agent in LA and they can like only talk then. And like, I just had to make something up. So I seemed huh. like, oh, I didn't even notice that you were excluding me. I just, I'm so busy, you know? Oh. And and that was the closest thing to, to bullying. And I guess, yeah, it's just like, it's so, it's such a quiet burn. And you can even see it now, like as we get older yeah. in the office and in things like that, it's like, you don't have to call someone names or like, diss their like skin color or religion or weight or anything to bully them just plain old ignoring someone's existence can do a lot of damage oh yeah that can hurt people for sure so you you toughed that out though you you lasted a whole year and then you came back to phoenix right yeah yeah i i finished i got the credits that i needed and then it was just one of those things where i talked to my parents and i said when i am 18 years old i love you i but i'm ready to go like i wanted to go wanted to start so I got a scholarship to the Stella Adler uh, Academy of Acting out here. And um, yeah, and same, the same rules applied. Like I, I, I came here and there's all this, it's a very prestigious acting school and everyone always wears black and, and everything. And I, and I know I want to do this, but I'm not in, I'm not, I don't know the right people and I don't whatever. And so I remember showing up and it could have gone either way you know, where it was like, oh, some like girl from Phoenix and she's got a famous dad. So why don't you just go do reality and like leave us real actors to it or, you know, being accepted into like, okay, cool. And I'll be dang, I had to prove myself. It was like the first like three or four months. It was like, like private school all over again. I'm like, wow, I get it. I get it. Like you've done all this stuff and I'm not an actor. I get it. So like, I feel like that's good though. Everything that I've done it's just been a proving ground constantly yeah. even with Bisto, where they're like, people love to give the compliment after the show. They go, ah, oh, you just remind me so much of your dad. And I never would stop anybody and go in what way, in the way that I'm able to like perform. Is there anything about my performance or is it just that it's good and you liked it and you can't think of anything else to say. So it is a compliment because I get where it's coming from. But also that's never something you're going to be able to like really step out from under. Yeah. So you can lose work opportunities by going, you know, uh, I'm not my, I'm not my dad. I'm not my father. Clearly I'm not my dad, but right. like, you know, things are going to bleed over. Things are going to cross over. And I think just be aware, you know, if somebody new comes into your, like, you know, whatever group that you do, just be like a little extra aware that sometimes the like, yeah, just the ignoring and the like, yeah. I just can't 
right now is so hard for people that are trying their best. Yeah. Well, I just think it's cool that you, you know, you kind of started the bottom of a lot of this stuff. I mean, you even uh, worked at Cooperstown uh, Mm -hmm. as a waitress. I thought that was really cool. It's like, wow, like this is somebody that probably, you know, her parents could have given her money, but they're like, no, you're going to go get a job and you're going to learn like how to work. And so you had to work as a waitress. Like that's pretty cool. I was terrible at it, but I certainly did it. Um, yeah, I and I got again. You know, that's people where it's like, okay, so these are people that are like in their late teens, early twenties. They're servers. They've been working at like a bunch of different restaurants, and here comes the boss's daughter, and that didn't have to apply for the job, that just got the job, right? So let's give her all. Let's not give her any information or teach her how to do anything, right? so that I constantly fail. Let's give her all the shitty shifts and awful tables and everything. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm going to make you like me. I'm going to make you like me. And I just remember going so far out of my way to be like, give me a break. So how do you do that? How do you make people like you? I'm still trying to figure that out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Oh, if I could market it. I I think just, I think just, it starts off when you're a kid by just being self-effacing. You know, I was the first person to make fun of the fact that I had to wear the Alice eyes while I was serving hot dogs, you know, like I, I, and right. so I'd be the first one to make fun of myself for it. You know what I mean? Like right. I remember one time I was serving and there was a episode of the surreal life up on the, the big screen. So it's like Paris Hilton and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all the the waiters are like, man, if I had a life like that, man, if I had a bunch of money and famous parents and I'm wearing the makeup with the hot dog and I'm like, yeah, can you imagine <laughs> how crazy that would be? That is classic. That's funny. <laughs> oh, that is great. So you, you graduated high school uh, and then you moved to L.A. Uh, and you, you, you talked a little bit about this, that you did some acting classes. Uh, one of the people that you had, uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Ivana Chubbick. She was oh, one of your yeah. acting coaches. I heard you talk. This is fascinating. Um, I feel like even if you're, people are not into acting, I feel like this is really interesting stuff because she used like psychology with the acting stuff and trying to teach you that your goal in every scene is to, to win, like never play the victim. That's such an interesting take on acting to me. Like basically she's saying have the heart and the tactics of a child in every scene, like make everything competitive. And, and, and you said that, uh, that if you look at your relationships, there's always a little bit of competition in every relationship. If there isn't competition, then the relationship usually dies. That was like kind of really profound stuff for just, you know, acting. It's so the, the, it's interesting. Her book, when I was at Stella Adler, I remember, you know, everybody's very actor pantsy. And, and I just said, Hey, listen, I said, I want to take the next step. I said, what is the most feared acting teacher? What is the most like people like run screaming because they like can't look into the void kind of thing. I was like, who is that? And, you know, everybody goes, Oh, it's Ivana Chubbuck. And I was like, okay, cool. So I read the book and it's a, it's a mixture of uh, Uta Hagen and all these like really like tried and true acting techniques, but also it incorporates mind Hunter from FBI. But when an FBI profiles somebody, how can you tell that somebody's going to do something? How can you, um, how can you spot megalomania? How can you spot, you know, kind of stuff like that? So we got trained in this stuff. And now it's like, just like second nature where it's kind of stuff you can't unlearn. Like once you really like get into it, it's really hard to be mad at anybody because you go, man, I get it. 
I get why you're doing this. I get why you're so aggravated. I get why you're so angry. I, I can even get why you killed this person. You know, like it, everybody has justified means. And that's why a lot of times we root for the villain if it's a good performance, hmm. because this person has no other choice. You know, when we start getting the mustache twisting guy, we're like, whatever. But her thing is kind of like every hero should be a tragic hero that refuses to give up. You know what I mean? There's they've got to have darkness and just like awful thoughts so that we're like, oh, I'm like them. I'm like that Mm. that guy. And then with the villain, you got to go, well, I mean, you know, I kind of feel bad that he lost. And you're like, so that's a good movie when you have the balance. Yeah. you're trying you're to make the characters likable when you're no matter if you're if you're playing the villain, right? Isn't that kind of the goal? Yeah, I mean, you think about a character like like Alice. What do we why is that particular character had such longevity? And I think it's because if he'd gone full dark and full mustache twisty and full like whatever, and there was no sense of humor to it, I don't think it, it would have had the longevity that it that it did. I think there's like what people like is like, Ooh, yeah. Like I love the genre and I love the, um, you know, the makeup and the lyrics and everything, but also like he gets his, the joke, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like there's a bit of vaudeville there's a bit of like, what do you think? Yeah. Kind of in it. And I think that those kind of performances and characters really last the test of time. Yeah. So do you do like the, uh, is it called like method acting? Cause I heard you talking about the the movie that an indie movie that you did called Rolling that was about ecstasy and the ecstasy culture. You never done ecstasy, so you're like, okay, how can I kind of simulate this? So you pounded 10, 10 energy drinks. I don't know what brand it was. Did that? How does that not kill you? I hear stories of kids having heart attacks. I don't know if you remember like Four Loco a few years ago. I was like ten, I think. No, I'm kidding. I was like, I think I was like twenty one, twenty two, and you're like liver and kidneys can deal with that i get i mean 10 still seems like a lot some of those stuff are pretty powerful aren't they? i mean were you just like shaking off the yeah yeah <laughs> and then you know kind of ivana's thing is she says you really don't have to do any of that that was just me being experimental and weird but like um mm. you know the whole trick is she goes people that are high don't act high that's a bad performance she goes people that are high are trying to do everything they can you know, to act like they're not high, which yeah, is why we laugh, right? That's true. That's and a good she, point. She goes, people that are drunk, it's tragic because, you know, you get somebody playing drunk and we're like, we just don't care, but we're dying laughing or our hearts are breaking when we're watching somebody trying so hard to make their point and you can tell how hard they're fighting to come across sober. Right. And right. So, yeah. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah. That's really crazy. Cool. People don't think they're crazy. And that's what allows you to go there. Like, and even with Bisto, like, like that's a, what allows you to go that crazy because you don't have one eye looking at yourself going, Oh, that's a little crazy. It's like, I have to be justified in all my actions. Like I have to do this or die kind so, of thing. Yeah. So you did that. And then I don't know, I can't remember the order of these, but then um, I, I thought this was interesting. You, you worked on Nickelodeon, one of the shows there, Henry danger, and so it's funny because yeah. like I used to work in the schools and when I first started working in the schools, it was always weird to hear like teachers swearing and drinking and stuff like that. When you are on like Nickelodeon where you've seen a lot of these like cast members like swearing and drinking, like all these G-rated people doing that kind of stuff or were they you pretty... You know what's funny? In real life, I have a lot of friends that are uh, teachers and principals and PE teachers and like therapists and things like that. And those are the people where I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you party way harder than me, buddy. Right? But yeah. Like on those shows, 
it's crazy. But on those shows, um, they really have it down so good. I mean, I when I came to set every day, I didn't just book the job, right? I had to have a full background check. I think yeah. they get more looking into me working on a Nickelodeon set than they than I did, you know, going into other countries touring. And I thought when I auditioned, I knew it was for an, a Nickelodeon show. I thought there is no way that I'm getting this because if you just Google my name, not a lot of times do just like acty shots come up. It's it's the most searched. So it's all these like crazy, you know, whatever. And I go, they're not going to let me around kids. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you can trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. I got the call and they were like, beautiful, you're hired. And then after talking to some of the cast members and stuff, it, surprisingly, it's really hard to find adult talent that has nothing on their record. I'm, I'm talking no DUIs, no, no misdemeanor, nothing clean hmm. as a whistle. And it's, that's how much they care about those kids and how much they keep them. You know, the, the, okay. the kids are also, that was one of the only, I've been on shows where it's all adults Yeah, and the attitudes were just like, and then you've got these kids that are massive successes, like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And they are like the cool, like the most down to earth, cool, like everybody's equal. Hmm. Like they just want to play pinball and do whatever. And then, you know, you go over to like a comedy show, which is always the funniest to me. Sitcoms. Oh, are yeah. The darkest places because you have a bunch of comedians that are like, oh, my life is over. Like. And then when the cameras go, they're like, I'm home. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Like yeah. always the drama shows. Like when I did Hawaii Five O, it was one of the funniest <laughs> because it's supposed to be serious. Yeah. And and these actors are really good. Like Chai McBride and all these, but they're like really good actors. And when the minute the camera rolls, they're like, hey. And it's like intense and serious. And I'm like, whoa, I feel like I'm legit in this interrogation room. And I'm like doing the whole thing. The minute they yell cut, it's like, and they're cutting up and, you know, like doing the hula and like just being ridiculous. And I just go, wow, Ivana's right. Because she always says that the funniest stuff comes from the most tragic people because they're trying to overcome it. And that's what uh, makes us laugh. Interesting. That's So what do you like better? Because, you, yeah, you've done Hawaii Five-0. You did the Mindy Project. That's a pretty big show. The Nickelodeon. You've done these big budget TV shows that are, you know, more corporate. And then you've done these like indie movies. I know for me, like when I have the jobs of the big corporations or government, I'm like, Oh, so much like, you know, the mom and pop places were way more fun. So do you like the indie movies more or do you like the budget of the, because then you get more pampered more at the TV shows. I mean, the hang is always great on the indie films. You know, the hang is always great. It's, it's usually everybody's got the same floor of the hotel or, or, you know, everybody rents a big giant, you know, cabin and everyone's staying in it and that's like the summer camp it's the hang mm -hmm. it's the fun. um but i do love the organization and the way when i feel safe as an actor like i've made some cool choices doing like indie stuff whatever that yeah. just happened out because it was cool people but like in the big studio stuff it's so fast it's so fast and so it's like you're in you're out and so you really have to learn how to make the most of that um, that experience. Mm. And so like, you know, looking for Hawaii five Oh, I live in LA. They flew me all the way to Hawaii. It was a whole oh. day of fitting. I got to see, you know, beautiful hotel. And then 
everyone's so cool or whatever. And I'm going, oh man, if every show were like this and then some other shows are, it's just like cattle in, cattle out. And you're like, but wait, like I'm on the call sheet. Like I have a, a character name and everything. If you're not the main character, get in, say your line, get out of our way. And you're like, right. Is catering oh. this way? <laughs> yeah. How's the catering in those places? It's gotta be amazing, right? Oh my gosh. That's insane. The greatest catering I've ever seen in my life was when uh, we played with the Rolling Stones and they had their own, uh, it was their own like moving Island. It was called the snake bite cafe. And you had to have a, a different pass rather than your just normal pass to come in. And it was like something out of Las Vegas. There was like trees and fountains of cheese and stuff. And I was like, wow. This is amazing. And that's just like backstage yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's just backstage, cool. you know, at the arenas, like the stones travel with their, with their catering. And like, we've had amazing catering, but I I've never, it's like the Bellagio buffet. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I'm like, maybe I'll have pancakes for the fourth time today. I don't know. That's amazing. Um, so another, uh, uh, let's see, one of these uh, movies, I, wa- I watched a couple of your movies yesterday. Uh, the Suck movie. I wanted to see that because I heard somebody uh, raving about it. You had such a good cast in there. Iggy Pop and Henry Rollins. Moby's in it. And uh, Alex mm-hmm. Lifeson uh, from Rush. He was a, like the, he had a, you just had a, I wanted you to have a bigger role, but that, that must have been fun just to be involved in that cast, right? So that is when I first, I literally had just moved to LA and um, I was trying every which way, but loose to like get in, like, how how do I get in? And I really did not want to use, you know, not to use my dad's name, but it was just like, how do I break through here? If I'm not willing to do reality, then nobody's interested in me at the time, you know? And I was like, how do I get in here? How do I do this? And so I had to eat crow a little bit and say, hey, you know, the next thing you get cast in, can you please just like, I don't care if it's a five line deal. I just, just let me in, let me get some tape for my reel. Let me do something. And he's like, yeah, okay. And so um, they were nice enough and his management was nice enough to, to work it out. And um, yeah, I was able to do just a little tiny thing, but it, it's, it's so like, such a different machine now yeah where it's like if you have a youtube channel and a bunch of people like watch it and you're really cool and entertaining like you'll book a series playing someone else whereas like you know then there's people that are like i've been into acting school for 20 years why is this happening and that's when you have to really do it because you love it yeah and not care what is the same with the band and not care if it ever is a commercial success or not it's always great if it is but like movies like you know like suck uh was so great just because it was like it was above an indie because they they had pre- pretty big budget and they had a lot of actors you know and a lot big of names yeah, dave foley isn't it but i learned a lot like i learned a lot watching because i'd seen indie movies made and i'd seen giant blockbusters made and i was like okay, everybody's doing like eight jobs, but nobody's hmm. complaining and it's working well. And okay, that's how they do that. And so it's just like all in education. If you hmm. look at it. Yeah, like no. And I love, and then I watched this one. Uh, Welcome to hell. It was like an anthology. And then you, you know, you had a pretty big part in this one and uh, oh, the, the pedophile. Yeah. So I think I figured out, see, people always wonder like why child actors go crazy and they always like have these terrible lives. I, I think I figured, I even, I wrote the line down cause I had to remember this. You look at the kid 
you look at the kid and you say this, I know you didn't write the line, but you say it with such conviction. You're like conviction. You're like, you are the son of a whore who ruined this family. <laughs> and you look at him and you say it with a straight face. I'm just like, Oh my God, that kid's got to be fucked up for life. Like, did he have to get counseling on the set after that? Or how does that work? Um, I, I'm a pretty good hang for kids. And so I think like, <laughs> like did, he, did he have earplugs in when you said that, or did he actually hear you say that? <laughs> well, so mom was on set the entire time, uh, his mom. And, um, that was one of those indie movies where we all stayed at the giant cabin and, and everything. So I got to spend a lot of time with the kid. Um, and yeah. And he was like, we played together you know, which for me ups the creep factor of it a million times. Um, <laughs> but that's what I wanted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I wanted all kind. I wanted memories. I wanted things that I could look back on. Um, and then again, you have to justify her behavior. It's like, I want a better life for me and my little kid. And this is the only way to do it because society has pushed me down so far. So what else am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know? And, uh, so I think that's where a lot of stuff comes from. But the, the kiss at the end where I kissed my son um, is was tricky. And so he and I, uh, I knew it was coming up and I, I knew it was coming up on that night. And I just go, okay. And the reason I took that movie, by the way, is because it was such, I couldn't not see if I could play a pedophile and make you still kind of like her mm-hmm. a little bit or make you at least go, okay, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, and so it was just more of a challenge than anything. And I, and I knew the director. And so, yeah, the, the night I had to kiss this kid, uh, you know, mom was on set. I talked to her privately and I just said, Hey, um, we've known each other for about two weeks now making this. And I said, if, if you are uncomfortable in any way, I said, let me know how you would like me to do this. Yeah. And she was like, well, I don't know. And I said, well, I have an idea and I have to be cool with you. And she's like, okay. And I said, let's make it a game. And so I sat down with the director and mom and I said, here's what I'm going to do. And I was like, I'm going to do my kid thing, which is like off camera. He and I were like punching buddies. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. constantly like spraying each other with like soda and hoses. And that's how I could justify him not getting any sort of like mental. Build a rapport with him. Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, And so we would joke around about our characters, but when I had to kiss this kid, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. And I was like, so, you know, that the kiss part's coming up and he's like, oh, I know. <laughs> and I said, okay. Yeah. I said, we're going to play chicken. And he's like, okay. And I go, do you know what chicken is? He's like, no. And I go, okay, here's what happens. I said, so I'm going to give you a kiss on the mouth. And I said, and whoever pulls away first is a chicken. Oh. And he's like, okay, okay. And I was like, oh, all right. You're going to get beat so bad. And he's like, no. Because I'm going to tell you this. I want to do this one time. Yeah. Oh, is that all it was one take? Yeah. No, that I insisted. I yeah. like, this has got to happen once because I'm only going to be able to play this chicken game once before he's going to go. What, what is this? Yeah. No, I just, so, I love the genre. I love horror. And so that was like, it was creepy, but I was like, you did a really good job. The whole, that whole segment was really, I mean, it, it scared me. <laughs> it was creepy. It takes a uh, lot. Yeah, no, that was good. But besides the horror stuff, uh, you do some comedy, right? See, I, I don't know. I, I heard you, you trained a little bit with Groundlings and the Upright Citizens Brigade. Those are like two of the biggest ones. Did you ever do like stand up or sketch or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, back in the in the day, um, you know, I just wanted to see where I was landing here, and so I, I just asked around, like I asked about Ivana, and I said, okay, so um, what's gonna get me? 
seen? How can I get seen for not my last name? How can I get people to like, see me, see me? And they go, Oh, you're, you're funny. You should go do the groundlings. So like, all right. So I remember going and thinking, okay, I'm at the top of my class at Stella Adler. I'm in Ivana Chubbuck's masterclass. This is just imagination comedy. Like how hard can this be? And you had to audition mm-hmm. to even take classes. Like, oh, really? Walk in oh, okay. I yeah. thought you could just take other levels or something. Okay. No. Wow. So okay. yeah, that's what I thought. And so I showed up and there was like, you know, 25 people, whatever. And we went through the whole thing and, um, and I left there going, yeah, so basically they're probably going to test me into, uh, this, the advanced or, you know, the performing <laughs> company. I'll be on SNL within the month like, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And I got a call and they were like, congratulations. I'm like, mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, we've passed you into a beginner. And I went, beginner of comedy? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, out of the 25 people, three of you made it through. And we're starting you at beginner. And I was like, and then I learned that this is a totally different piece. It's like, I could say, um, I'm a rock and roll singer and and put it under the umbrella of singer. But, I, I, you know, you listen to someone like Charlotte Church or somebody that does, you know, opera. And that's a different kind of singer. It's a right. completely different creature. And so I have no problem just going up on stage and starting doing whatever, but it's like learning a new language. There's rules, there's laws, there's like all this stuff. And it, I think it may have been one of the most helpful acting tools because it makes you listen to people. So if I'm doing a scene with some like crazy and a lot of actors are insane, like <laughs> especially famous people, cause they can get away with it. Oh. Um, you know, I'm looking at the, the, the script and you're just going off left you can see the director and the, and the AD and everybody going like, please just go with this. Cause we have to roll on something. Oh. And so it's the confidence to be able to just go, um, I'm sorry. Like, and blah, blah. And just go with it, you know? So that's like and a they, skill, like being able to react. And, uh, yeah, and, and there was a lot of people in there that weren't actors and that's super interesting. Huh. Big companies like, um, you know, like tech companies and stuff send their CEOs because it's a, it's a, they teach them how to communicate on the fly oh. and, and humor goes so far in yeah. interviews. Like if they're talking to like clients from Japan and they huh. know how to like, you know, be likable, yeah. it's literally how to be likable. And, and you some, some people can't get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So then did you ever perform with those places like on, on stage? I mean, do the people buy a ticket to come see you? Is that kind of thing? Or is it more just like, yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was doing it, um, I finished, I did the, uh, groundlings, I did upright citizens. And for a minute there, I was really serious about SNL. I was like, you know, wow. I have one of those faces that for whatever reason, it's, it's just like a makeupable face where if you change it or put like, I look like a million different people and I get, and I get stopped all the time where they're like, aren't you your, because I look like I must be somebody it's, it's, I don't know if it's the bone structure. I don't know what it is, but when I had bangs, it was like, I looked like 10 famous actresses. And and so people perfect for SNL. Yeah. Right. And so I started pursuing that and then Bisto kicked up and it kicked up so big so quickly that it's not like I put it out of my mind forever. That's a great thing about comedy is it takes all ages and shapes and, and types and whatever. Um, 
but yeah, Bisto kicked up to an extreme that it was like requiring a crap ton of like constantly like creating and moving and touring and all this stuff. And I was just going, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So then, yeah, you, you, you actually first sang, I think it was on Piggy D's out. Piggy D was the bass player for Rob Zombie also Wednesday 13. And he asked you to, I think you'd sang on some of his uh, albums or one of them. And then uh, Chuck Garrick uh, asked you to sing on Bisto Blanco. And you're like, well, I'm not really a singer. And so then you guys, you know, he just told you to pretend to act like a singer. And then you created this character with a costume. It's got the arm cannon with a, and you got a bat with spikes and all this stuff. You got the cool uh, demon eye contacts. Is it hard to see out of those? You know, it's, what's funny is she started off, this character started off as like a Barbarella-esque, like doo-wop chick, which was kind of cool. And I got it for sure. But um, not knowing that I could sing yet, um, I was doing character voices. And so he's like, yeah, can you do this like really bratty, like childlike, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I go, yeah, whatever you want. Like, I'm an ally, like whatever. And I didn't know that there was going to be this like lifelong relationship here. So I just like, like with everything I went in like whole hog. And, uh, and so as the records progressed and the audiences got more and the record sales got more, I think I started being interested in like, okay, well, can I see if I can sing this? Can I? And then like, I remember making the record. We are the last one we did. Uh And I was going, Oh my gosh, I'm hitting these notes and I'm holding them with like power. And I'm going, yeah. okay, this is something to explore. For yeah. Sure. Cause how do you explain that to people? Um, cause when I first uh, came across, I think the first thing I heard was feed your, uh, feed, feed my Frankenstein cover. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. She has a band. I didn't even know you had a band. And then I, when I for the interview, uh, I had to do all this research and I found out you had this huge acting career too. But, um, for people who don't know the band Bisto Blanco, it's, it's kind of, I guess you'd say it's almost kind of like a Linkin Park or Evanescence where they have, cause Chuck is kind of the main singer and you're like kind of the other singer. Uh, but now mm-hmm. you're taking over more of the lead vocal duties, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're essentially trying to do like, you know, if Mickey and Mallory from natural born killers were Sonny and Cher. Okay. So- you know, like how can I, and, and again, all that stuff comes into play, like the improv and then this and that, like, we do not have a choreographed show. So it's sort of like, it's such a gift literally from God that I have like a space to any impulse that comes into my head, any impulse. And I just act on it. And it's so awesome. Like who gets to do that? So, uh, yeah. So Chuck and I have built this sort of like relationship where you're not sure who's in charge. <laughs> We're not sure who's pulling the strings. You know, you're not sure if I'm sort of like, you know, the Frizzetti girl on the leash, or if you're not sure if these are my beasts and I'm in charge. Like, and so it's the give and take of power all the time that kind of keeps people going, Ooh, girl, what's happening there? Yeah. I haven't seen you guys live yet. I really want to see, uh, hopefully concerts come back, but you guys did the monsters of rock cruise, the Megadeth cruise. What's it like being on those cruises? Um, Cause that just looks like so much fun to be on with all those different bands and stuff. I think it's the only, let me know if my nose is running like legit. It is, it smells like, you know, those crappy campfire smelling candles you get at like Walmart. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. House and my hair. Smells oh like yeah, no, uh, I can't see anything. So, <laughs> but, uh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. What were you asking? I about the cruises. Going, I've never been, I've never even been on a cruise. I really want to go on one of these monsters of rock cruises. They look so cool and so fun. You did the Megadeth cruise. Yeah. And you said the, the, the bands, uh, the first one you did, I think it was, 
it was it wasn't really your genre, I don't think, but you said the fans loved you and they were like chanting and stuff and Yeah, we were given the Monsters of Rock is such a cool idea. And it's because it's the only place I can think of where you do your show, right? And then you're living alongside of the people that came to see your show. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you do your show and then it's like you're eating with people and you're getting to like meet people that are like, dude, like I got a Bisto tattoo, you know, and and it it seems a bit daunting if you on paper, you're like, is that a good idea? But I think these people are so cool. And I mean, they're so like complimentary and awesome. And like they really launched us that Monsters of Rock really put us on the map because those fans that were Alice fans that went, all right, well, listen, Alice's daughter and bass player have some band and they're going to be on in 20 minutes. Like, do you just want to go check it out just so we can post on the Alice socials that we went and saw it? And I accepted that, even though I was like, mm. I accepted it. And I, go, <laughs> okay. and I said, you are going to walk out of here with, with your mind blown. And so I just remember kind of like a sea of Alice shirts that first show. And I was like, huh. okay, here goes nothing. And I went off and this thing went on and we did this great show. And then like five years later, it's like this amazing fan base where when we went to do the um, Megadeth cruise, it was like a lot of people hadn't seen us because the Monsters of Rock is like really glam and like, you know, 80s and 90s and, and everything. And, and we're kind of new and mm-hmm. we had ties legacy wise to obviously that that era but the megadeth i thought you know what this is kind of where we fit in it was like you know heavier yeah version of conformity and stuff like that and yet again me and doro pesh were like <laughs> that was there was not a lot of of women performers and i think i thought oh great like i'm gonna get like a lot of like leering and a lot of like I almost changed my costume because I was like, I, and I had to laugh that age old girl thing. Like I want to be taken seriously. And then I go, do you though? Because look <laughs> at how, much, how much fun are we having? Once you yeah. start taking yourself that seriously, then it's uh. like, you only have down to fall. And so I just go, no, I'm going to double down on the theatrics because I knew it was a heavy metal crowd. Yeah. And they, we were talking about doing less theatrically and just doing more of the hard songs. And I go, no, if I learned anything from my dad, one of the lessons is whenever he plays heavy metal festivals, everybody always says, so we're going to pull the ballads, right? And he goes, nope. And he said, the most heavy metal thing you can do is sit down in front of 50,000 people and do your show, do the ballad. He's like, there's nothing that is more like, I control this. I'm in huh. control here. And so you know, doing the theatrics, I was like, these guys are just not going to get it. And, you know, they want a headbang and I, they were still headbanging. And I was like, okay, great. And then the reviews came out and they go, Beasto! and I'm like, right. Thank you. So it worked. That's awesome. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And then you guys had a tour with a uh, hailstorm. That's- well, that was, I mean, that was unbelievable that, and again, different demographic, which is what makes Beasto so unique is like, you know, we fit in with the monsters of rock, which is like theatrical glam eighties kind of bands were great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Then we also fit in with the heavy metal, the corrosions of conformities and, and all that stuff. And then we go play giant open air sheds for seas of teenagers. 
And I'm going, is this going to read? Because Lizzie is like incredible and they are all there to see her. And I was like, is this our stuff going to read? Is it going to be too sci-fi? Is it going to be too whatever? And I mean, that quickly went out the window. You know, we did our, our, our opening slot and then went out to the merch booth and it was like that thing you do. I was like, Whoa, kids are like, ah, because they're so hungry for a show. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you said and, that, um, the kids are teenage girls are sending you pictures of them, uh, dressing yeah. as you for Halloween. That's pretty cool. That's a big compliment. I mean, it's such a huge compliment just to be able to like, look down to like, you know, the, the blessing of the hashtag, I'll call it like, I would never be able to see all these photos. I would never be able to see all this stuff. And then when you hashtag me or Bisto Blanco, like I started scrolling through and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like when I do my makeup, it's never the same. You know what I mean? It's all just like in the moment, whatever. And I'm looking at these pictures going, she did that off of that one photo from that one night where I just wanted to do it different and get the little X here and then this and that. And their attention to detail, I mean, being cosplayed is like, I can't think of anything cooler to Yeah, me. that's a pretty big compliment for sure. I thought this was interesting. You had an interesting quote just about the entertainment business in general. You said uh, that hard work doesn't necessarily equal results. And you're talking about acting, music, or just any of the arts. Like you talked about, I know you did a uh, ballet for years and like the longer you spent on it, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the best at it. Yeah. Um, you can be the best, the absolute best technically, um, training you can be at the top of your game. And it's so weird that sometimes that doesn't matter at all. And, and and it's a challenge, you know, too, or like sometimes I know letting go of like, you know, judgment of I've been at this particular thing for 10 years, whatever it is. And then some girl waltzes in and is like, Oh, like whatever. But she looks like the producers, you know, whatever girlfriend. And so she's hired and I go, but, but no, but no, because I know I worked so hard. How can that be a thing? And, And in dance, the longer that you put in, it's undeniable. There was only a certain amount of people that can do that with their bodies. Right. Yeah. And that only comes from training, some talent and some genetics, but mostly training. And then with the music thing and the acting thing, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter how connected you are. It doesn't matter how there's always somebody that is luckier than you. And it's just how much you're willing to do it because you love it. And then you stop obsessing over like, how is it that this person just woke up yesterday and decided, oh yeah, like I want to be a DJ. And now they're making millions of dollars. Why did I go to school? Why did I do anything? <laughs> right. And it's because I loved it and I do love it and I still love it. And I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. My best friend always says to me, whenever I start complaining, like I just can't believe and I work so hard la, 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 la. and she goes, stop for a second. You know what I'm going to say? I go, yes. She goes, would you trade places with them? They, everything about them. Like you have to wake up that person. I'm like, no, <laughs> but it does get frustrating. I mean, you, you said that you only get like one out of every hundred roles that you're auditioned for. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a cutthroat business. And I, and I didn't realize honestly, how blessed, how lucky that I am. Um, Cause I go, why aren't I getting more auditions, whatever. And I'm getting like three or four a week. 
but what I didn't realize and that like somebody finally kind of like spoke to me and I go, I get it. So yeah, you, for every role that comes out, like, you know, a day player on a TV show, there's 2000 submissions and I'm one of the 2000 faces. So either the casting director knows me from past work, they have heard of me from just rando business um, or they just like the way my face looks on the photo when it comes to the character they're casting somehow. And it doesn't matter how you break through the 2000 and now there's 10 of you. And so the 10 of you are the ones that show up in the room. But what those 10 people forget is that you already beat 2000 people. Jeez. And, and you, but, but people get to the auditions and they're like, ah, I can't believe I have to audition for this. I'm like, bro, you just beat 2000 people to be here. Like give it a, give it a fair shake. And then you beat yourself up when you go, that's another job I didn't get. Yeah, but that's also another time that your face popped out of 2,000 people. That's pretty amazing. Those so are, you're doing good. That's crazy odd. So you started creating some of your own content because you got so frustrated and, you, and you've directed some videos and some commercials and things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm just the most proud of like, you know, you talked about learning and just sitting back and watching yeah. and going, hey, that doesn't work. Oh, that definitely works. So when Bisto asked me to start uh, directing the videos. Um, I was so excited because I had such a vision of what it could be. And, and it's, I I get it. It takes a lot of effort to do, um, a narrative. Like it's, it's a lot easier to be like, you know, shaking our hair and like zooming in and out and we're, we're a band and like, that's cool. And there's definitely a place for that, but to, to map out and do a narrative is like planning a wedding. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's like there's so many moving parts and especially in los angeles you're talking about like permits and actors and camera guys and catering and this whole thing and it's just me doing it and i, and I had to ask the guys in the band i said look you got to just trust me with this i'm getting my charger oh. um you just gotta trust me with this and so when i said i wanted to rent an old western town i mean you should have seen the look on their faces they're like <laughs> A what? Uh, a, a whole one? I'm like a whole one. It's got to be a whole one, and we made it happen. You know what I mean? And and so I just like I think I'm so addicted to it now. Now that I know that I can dream something up and pull the trigger, and it happens, I'm like, oh now now you're all in big trouble. Yeah, because didn't you say you want to do a, like a Bisto Blanco movie? Yeah, we're actually working on it now. Um, oh. you know, if you see pictures of us, it's we're so comic booky, like it's a, it's a comic book begging to be made. And so we just started drawing up, you know, kind of origin stories for where these characters came from. Mm. And it started to just kind of take shape and we're like, all right, so we've done these narrative videos. Now let's do a short, let's do, how did, how did Bisto become Bisto? And I just kind of started seeing like a very Fargo-esque, but like in the high desert kid, you know, and I, and then the story kind of went from there you know, and he discovers this thing right in the desert. And so it's like, wow. Okay. Now that all makes sense. And she never ages. She's looked exactly this way since, you know, for thousands of years, but he encounters her as a child, which like alters his whole, you know, trajectory. So yeah, we're, we're making that now. It's really cool. This will be like a musical then, or how, how would you technically call it a musical or. Well, the cool, like, it wouldn't be like a, you know, swinging around the lamppost sort of musical, but I think it's more like, have you ever seen, um, 
oh, what's that? Uh, the Grave Robber musical they did into a movie. Um, Repo Man, the genetic opera. Oh, no, I've seen the original one with Emilio Estevez, but no. It's fantastic. So basically, the songs that we've already written are kind of playing over what's happening. And so you go, that's why that makes sense. Okay, that's why that song makes sense. And so that the joy of it for me is knitting together you know, it's like putting an Alice show together. You have all these great songs and all this this uh, storyline to go with and some unexplored storylines that I'd love to, to go down. And how do you knit this particular scarf together for this tour? You know, it's like, oh, you know what would make perfect sense there? Bring in Dead Babies because now we're in a world at this point where we've never sang that song in this way. You know, I remember when we were doing um, Theater of Death, and I said, how can we make this hanging like just not the hanging? And, and we brainstormed and then it came out. I go, why don't you tear off my nurse's costume, my wig, everything you put it on and then the guys will get you and hang you in drag. And he's like, I love it. It's, it's, <laughs> how, you, it's how you it's how you reimagine a storyline. And, you know, it's like the Avengers. How do you reimagine Bisto. how can you put together an alice show it's just yeah it's is there gonna be a, so, so there'll be a new album with that movie then i'm assuming or yeah i mean i'd love to we're writing new music now we, we've cool. uh, we've coupled up with some really rad um bands that you know so douchey to say but it's like oh no let's talk about it but i'm not but like some really cool um co-writes and and stuff oh really yeah, yeah. So we're doing a lot of collaborations. On Can this you record. say who, or is it a secret? I know. That's why I said I sound like such a douchebag for even bringing it up. I'm like, um, it's stuff that you can't understand. But no, oh. I, I, I can't say anything yet. But um, it's so cool. And to hear, you know, bands like, let's say like an Aerosmith or something like that, like they write Aerosmith songs. You can tell they're Aerosmith songs. Yeah. So the cool thing is when you're working with bands like that, you bring in Bisto. And it's like a fashion collaboration where you go, what does Bisto sound like when Aerosmith writes a Bisto song? Right. Oh, yeah. And so then all of a sudden you've got like, there's, you know, there's harp in it and there's the different kind of drums, but it's still a Bisto track. Right. So that's what we kind of were looking at for this record. It's okay. like Bisto as imagined by this artist and Bisto oh. as imagined by this artist. And it's coming out so cool. We're like, I never would have thought to do it like that. When does that come out? Do you have a date? So literally like track one, song one. <laughs> we started, um, but October is the month that we're we're knuckling down. Oh, so. this October? It might come well, out? Well, we're making it in October. Okay. So okay. it'll come out, you know, God knows when with everything that's going on. Yeah. If we catch on fire, I don't know. Anything with Rob Zombie? I feel like that would be a good match. Like you guys on tour with Rob Zombie. I feel like you're very, they, you guys kind of have a similar sound. I mean, obviously he doesn't have a, a female singer, but you know, that, I think right. that, that'd um, be a good tour. Yeah, I mean, I'd love, I'd love to do something like that. I also love the idea of, uh, you know, how does the Rob Zombie storyline and the Bisto Blanco storyline like? Is there one episode that's a crossover? There you go. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know what I mean, where all of a sudden these characters make sense in each other's world, and you know, the El Super Bisto and Bisto Blanco, like, do they come from the same planet? There you go. Yeah, that'd be cool. I haven't, I haven't seen Zombie perform since he was White Zombie. That was back. That was back in the day. But that was, yeah, he was a good. That was a good show. That'd be cool to see we're both all of you. Super tight. You know, like I literally, I was just talking to to Piggy D yesterday. We were texting, and and um, 
Oh. So yeah, we're all uh we're all still on the same horse, I think. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, who else do you do you have? I saw a picture of you with Johnny Depp and you you were just like this, like just like looking up at him, just like I mean, it was like that was a really cool picture. He is was that the one where I'm all covered in stage makeup? I can't remember, but you just you were looking at him with these just like gazing eyes. It was like it was a pretty funny picture. It's on your I think it was on your it's Instagram or something. Like, yeah, he's oh, I remember we were backstage at a show and he didn't recognize me because I'd come in and I had oh. gashes all over my face. And I came in and I go, be honest with me. Is it too much? <laughs> and he started laughing. And that's what I looked at him. Cause it's like, I, I just love and appreciate people that think I'm funny. I really yeah. do. <laughs> no, that's but amazing. He's a sweet guy and, and just so down, down to like work and play and, and try something new. And so he's got that, like, that openness, I think it, it's so rare. And, I, and I've really only experienced it a couple of times. Somebody that um, that visible and with that sort of a public persona, when he's talking to you, you are the only person he's talking to. And he won't be distracted, like and not in a dickhead way or anything like hmm. that. But like if you and him were talking and I came up going, uh, Johnny, so so-and-so's here and they need to talk to you. So I'm sorry. He's like you were saying. He's like, so it's hard to grow watermelons. Wow. You know what I mean? Like he will finish his conversation with you because he's a gentleman and, and like it, he can make you feel like you're the only person in the room. And, and I, of course, because I steal everything I'm watching going, how do you do that? How do you do that? And I just watched him talk to different people and I just attempted it, you know, every now and then. And it, people are so floored, like floored. If you can't, if you're, especially in LA, if your attention can't be pulled away every five seconds, it's so rare that somebody's actually like invested and listening to you that like, it's very memorable. Oh, that's like, yeah. The, one of the comedians I interviewed, uh, Fahim, like he jokes where he'd, he'd go back home from being in LA and he'd still be in LA, uh, lifestyle, you know, or LA mode. And he'd be like talking to mom and he's like, wait, is that dad over there? Like they're always looking for the yeah, better yeah, person to... <laughs> It very much is. I'm never, uh, I reminded about how long I've been in LA when I go home to visit in Phoenix, because I'll come in like a freight train, right? It's Christmas and I come in and there's a million things I'm doing and I get, you know, and I'm business isn't shut down till this and I have to do this and do this. And I've got a demo due here and all that blah, blah, blah. And just watching everyone watch me sort of like on three different phones, like, no, no, tell her I can't, I can't, no, I don't know. And like, so high, strung and running around, like, I think that's normal. And then people are like, it's okay. Like, you're not in, you're not in crazy land anymore. You can chill out. I'm like, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> when you come back to Phoenix, because um, I live in Scottsdale, uh, do you, is there certain businesses that you, um, so I want to hit up some uh, small bit, like try to promote some small businesses since I know a lot of small businesses are struggling. Is there any restaurants or places that you like have to go that you want to shout out right now? Oh man. Um, so there's a little taco joint down by the airport called Speedy's. Oh yeah. I think I've heard of that. Oh. And I found out about it from an Uber driver where they'd closed down my favorite taco place. And I was like, why? And, um, and my Uber driver's like, you want to know about a spot? I was like, yeah, hit me. And he goes, look, he's like, it's where all the cabbies go that are waiting for airport pickups. And he goes, 
best stuff ever. And they cook everything outside in the big smokers. So yeah, Speedies is off the chain. So good. I'll have um, to check that out. I don't think I've ever had, I've definitely heard of it, but I haven't tried it. Yeah. You got to go. And you know, Phoenix is so rapidly changing. Like I feel like every couple months I come home, I'm like, where'd the thing go? What happened? Yeah. It just turned over so quickly, but yeah, I mean, is it, what's that? Do you know that wing place? That's got the really kitschy. Oh gosh, it's on like twenty four. I can't remember, but there's a wing place in Phoenix right across from Chicago Sliders. You know where that is? Uh uh-uh. Okay, there's a Sliders place. It's down by, um, you know, Last Chance. Yeah. Okay, so for those people that don't know, let me hit you. I to think that. Last Chance didn't they go out of business? Didn't they tear that whole oh. thing down? No, the, oh my dog's coming to visit. Um, <laughs> no, they're not out of out of business yet. Okay. Um, but right across the way, if you don't know Last Chance, so uh, in Nordstrom, you return something and they have this policy where they don't reshelf it. And so if it's overstock, it goes to, um, what is it? Last Nordstrom? Call. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. Like stock. But if it was worn at all, it goes to Last Chance and there's only one Last Chance in all of the planet and it's in Phoenix and you can walk out of there. I mean, I'm talking like eight trash bags worth of like designer clothes for a hundred dollars. And I'm like, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good stuff. This is all great stuff to know about. And then what about charities? You work, you guys work with a couple of charities, the school of rock. And then do you work with Inc against cancer as well? I just had somebody on that would had talked about, I never heard about that one before, but yeah. Inc against cancer is really great. They, um, our drummer, uh, Sean, his teenage son, uh, got cancer. And so these guys were so instrumental in, you know, raising money, selling bracelets. And, you know, he's, he's in remission now. So like unbelievable, but it's these mom and pop things that I wouldn't have any concept of how hard that was to do. If I hadn't watched my parents do solid rock for so long and solid rock was a teen center that was kind of born out of when I was in school, they were starting to yank all the arts programs and, um, you know, I remember people saying, well, they could never really do that. Right. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough to, I got to do band. I got to do chorus. I got to do theater. I got to do art. I got to do all that. By the time my little sister went through, you had to do an after school program that you had to pay for that was arts stuff. So, hmm. you know, most people can't afford that. And so yeah. my parents really like opened up a teen center and like a really gnarly area uh, of town and um, just said, listen, if you're a teenager and you don't want to go home and you don't want to hang out in the street, come here. And, and, you know, they have guys like come by and teach guitar, like John five and they have, um, wow. you know, Bob Ezrin come in and teach uh, engineering and they've got, you know, world famous dancers coming in to teach. And it's like, th- this is like Juilliard, man. Like these people, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Like That's when amazing. I go in, you see what these kids are doing. It's like the education. I don't think you could put a dollar amount on it. They're like, oh yeah. Like Steve Vai stopping by this afternoon and doing a guitar clinic. Like, jeez. And these kids are so cool. They're not like, whatever. They are just like ready, prepared. They're being given an opportunity. And I think that they see it. And I wish I had something like that. 
you know, when I was that age, because I don't think I ever would have left. No, I know. Are you, are you familiar with any of the uh, uh, Arizona bands like local or what kind of music are you listening to right now? Any like up and coming bands that you want to shout out? Yeah, I mean, I'm discovering stuff that, um, that I guess has been around for a long time. Like, you know, I don't proclaim to be any sort of a hipster, but I, um, I'm introducing the guys in the band to stuff that maybe is not uh heavy metal and is not, you know, classic rock. Like I'm, I'm going, Hey, have you heard of, you know, clutch? Have you heard of oh, yeah. this, bit, this bit? And, and they're kind of getting it. And I go, okay, let me play you some good pop punk. Because if we, if you, we want to get a song on the radio, it's got to sound like this you know, and let's be business people about this. So, I mean, I'm playing, um, you know, uh, big hits from like bands, like sugar cults and things like that, you know, like just really like if it was on Tony Hawk's pro skater. <laughs> okay. Nice. I, I was your target bands warp tour girl. Like I was so, oh, I was, oh my God, Jimmy, World is the best. that was that and era. So, yeah. Yeah. And I loved it. I mean, like I was clad in vans, like that was what, what the, the deal was. But, you know, when I started learning more about music, I started going, man, do I love composers, man, do I love, like, I remember, uh, what's that song when panic switch came out? Um, who does panic switch? Everybody panic listening switch? is like, no, I, I, I'm drawing a blank. I'm no, I'm um, thinking panic at the disco is all that's coming in my head for some reason. Why are they panicking? Yeah. Um, oh, I got it. Switch panic switch in songs. Oh, Silver Sun pickups. Oh, so like, yeah, yeah. Bands Aren't they like new? Edge that made a radio song. So it's like bands like Clutch and Silver Sun pickups. And and then I started noticing I was going to see bands I liked, and I was really digging the opening acts. Hmm. And I was like, how have I never heard of these people? Because our generation didn't have um Spotify. Like, hey, if you like, right. then you all might like i could spend hours in the car going through you know if you like then you also might like yeah and, you know that's how i discovered like b-sides to dolly parton songs that i go how is this not a hit yeah i love when i hear a song like that and i wonder that or one that inspires you to do like a, you know a um like a you version of that song like every time janet jackson's black cat comes on oh yeah it was like this is a hard rock song. Back cat. Nah, nah, so yeah. You guys going to cover that? That'd be a good cover to do. Right. And it's like, that's such a good one. And then what was the other one that I go, this song is like so heavy metal. Oh, from the flash da uh, dance soundtrack. Uh, that one that I'm going on a man hunt. Turn it around. <laughs> right. You could do a, like me and Lizzie Hale could do manhunt. Yes. Sure. Do it. Make it happen. I love it. I'd love to and they've that. got the big notes that take in the lead. <laughs> yes. What other future plans do you have? You said so new uh, possible movie or it sounds like it's in the works, a movie and an album from Bisto. Um, any other uh, movies or anything coming out, acting roles or production or anything you writing or. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, the cool thing, if there is a cool thing, I guess, about being stuck in the house is you no longer have an excuse to go, oh, I just don't have the time. Right. You know, and you do now. And so as much as I was putting off, like, I've got this really funny script about this or that. And I go, but it just takes a look. I know how long it takes to do these things. And you know what? It goes surprisingly quickly with a couple of margaritas <laughs> and a pen. 
And before I know it, I'm like, I wrote the movie. It's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. That's good. So yeah. So and there's I, a movie I, like, you're writing. You're actually writing yeah. this. Is it done? Or yeah. are you still working on it? I'm, I'm still working on it. I got the. I've got all the main characters down. Essentially, you hold your your stuff in your own hands because as I'm writing, you know, everybody wants to be the main character. But let's be honest, everybody's favorite people are always the villain and the main character's best friend. That's yes. Like, what are you doing? Right. Like those the are the memory characters. And one of my favorite buddy roles ever is, um, you know, the movie get out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So his friend that works at the TSA, he's like, I'm TS. Yes. Yes. That you guy's know, hilarious. He stole that movie. For, yeah. You're for right. Me. And she did too, you know, being the bad guy, she eating like one Cheerio yeah. at a time. Like, those are the roles that, are so hard to come by because people aren't writing them. So if you have a really weird quirk and you write, write yourself into it. Like there you go. go act required. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, is there anything else you want to give a shout out to or anybody or any other projects? I mean, yeah, we, uh, we're actually going to do um, a live stream near oh. Halloween. Keep your eye on bistoblanco.com. Cool. Um, we'll release that then. We're just trying to come up with something new, which is always hard because yeah. Bisto's always trying to do something new. So I'm thinking about it. But yeah, keep your eye on bistoblanco.com um, and all the new releases, all the, uh, yeah, all the information's there. And then, um, yeah, if you feel like stalking me, I'm on Instagram. Yes. Uh, it's my name, Calico Cooper. And I usually have up-to-date stuff about like film, TV, anything that I'm working on. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Calico. Yeah, absolutely. All nice right. to talk to you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. So Calico Cooper is her name. Bisto Blanco is the band. Follow both on social media to keep up with her. I'm still just amazed at all the cool stuff that she does. I mean, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm a fan of her acting and her music and I'll continue to follow her. Uh, good stuff. I'm just a fan of her as a person. She's so real and I just... I love how she opened up about stuff like being bullied and having to work as a waitress and being denied acting roles. I mean, I think it's cool that, you know, sometimes people look at these successful people and think it's so easy and they never struggle. So I like hearing about that kind of stuff because I think that can really inspire people. You know, if you've been bullied or been turned down for jobs, hey, even Calico Cooper's been there. So it's like I always say at the end of each episode, shoot for the moon. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day or night.